You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. I want to grab just a couple of minutes before we start today's podcast and let you know about a new membership community that's opening up. It's called The Sandbox. Now, The Sandbox was explicitly designed so that folks like you, who have big dreams and goals, who are working on busting through limiting labels and beliefs, who are overcoming challenges, have a place to come, A, to be encouraged, to get tips and tools, to meet other people and share ideas, and just relax. So as a member, you're going to have exclusive access to an extensive library of training, tools, and resources that have been meticulously crafted over the years. But that's not all. You are actually in the driver's seat, so you can help shape the direction of the content and the sandbox. So what's actually in the sandbox? Well, there will be expert sessions that will be tailored to your needs with a focus on the questions that come from our community. There are group learning sessions, live trainings, Q&A sessions, and we will be sharing inspiring membership success stories. You will have an opportunity to learn and grow alongside fellow Sandbox community members. If you need guidance or support, our online forum is going to be the perfect space to engage with other members, ask questions, find motivation, and share your success with the Sandbox community. We are committed to your success, and that's why we're offering monthly challenges and support check-ins, ensuring you're always on track. So click the link below and put your name either on the waiting list or sign up today for the Sandbox community, and we'll see you there where the dreams will be unleashed and you'll start making rapid progress. Hey there, and No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Welcome back. I'm Sarah Box. Well, who am I? I'm Sarah Box. I'm your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, where we're on a mission to help individuals, teams, and organizations to think outside the box, move beyond limiting beliefs and labels, and create profound impact in the world for the lives of others. And we do this by sharing accomplished and inspiring guests who have challenged their own limiting labels and beliefs to pursue and accomplish personal and professional goals. And today's guest is no exception to that. We were mm. we were halfway through an interview just <laughs> catching up and meeting each other. But today I'm excited to introduce you, though, to our special guest, Dr. Heather Penny, who I will henceforth call Heather. <laughs> and to bring you into the conversation we were having and will continue having about empowering um, others and the world of competence. So mm. did you know that close to 80% of women struggle with low confidence or lack of self-esteem? You might not know that because I think mm. as women, we're super good at hiding that kind mm -hmm. of thing. We just kind mm -hmm. of shoulder and soldier yeah. on. Um, but as a renowned leadership coach and trusted advisor, Dr. Penny Heather brings valuable <laughs> insights on developing our confidence in the face of uncertainty and giving ourselves permission to become the people that we are meant to be, which is a, something I think about all the time. So Heather's practice strategies to overcome this challenge and start living the life 
she, I, you, all of us desire. And so during the conversation, we're going to talk about her book, The Life You Were Made For, Finding Clarity, Confidence, and Courage to Be Fully Alive, and explore the concept of permission, mm-hmm. how comparison can hinder us, the role of resilience and adaptability mm-hmm. in effective leadership, and the roles mentorship and community play in professional growth. Mm-hmm. And actually, I would say in our overall wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, And then how to tame self-doubt and imposter syndrome. I'd like to tell you, as long-time listeners know that I'm going to go through that in chronological order. It's possible Heather and I will go down a side road and not get to all of it. But that's my intention going into it. So get ready to gain some valuable wisdom and actionable steps to boost your own confidence and step into the leader within you. And Heather might even get up and dance. So you never know. So with that, (laughs) let's welcome our guest. Dr. Heather Penny. Hi, Heather. Hello, Sarah. That was an amazing introduction. I just took so much pleasure listening to you talk about me. And I was like, I want to get to know her. <laughs> hey, I'm super excited. You know, I think it's interesting. It's interesting to me because, of course, it happens to me. But I get to meet folks before I push the, play, you know, the record button and we go on to this process. And it's so fun. Like there are people I connect with instantly. I think, oh, I should have known you a long time ago. You're so fun. Not just because you're fun, but because you're insightful and all of that. Um, So let's start with kind of where we were going on pre-push go. And we were talking about um, unity and standing up for unity. Can you pick up the conversation that we were in the midst of? Sure. Well, Sarah, you asked such a poignant question. You said, did you wake up thinking about something that you want to talk about? It's on your heart and mind. And I thought, this is something I think that's been percolating within me for probably months, if not maybe years. So it was so fun to be asked that question because the essence of what I do and what I'm about is really focused on how do we grow as a society, as a community, as a people group. We are very fragmented and polarized, and we know this. The statistics and the studies are showing that we are spiraling down with anxiety and with um, depression and some of these really hard spaces. And what we're finding is that we don't know how to spiral up. And that's a lot of what my doctoral research was focused on. So I think the more I have studied this and the more I have worked with people, I think I just gently want to set my own ego aside. And I'll be honest, you know, when you first start your coaching company, you're like, pick me, pick me. <laughs> I'm amazing. Hire me. Or this, this fear, as we talked about confidence earlier, this false belief of what if nobody wants to hire me? Well, I, I think I'm past that and being in my career for about 15 years as a coach now, I'm seeing a common thread of human suffering. And I want to gently set my ego aside and say, how do I support all the voices out there that are standing for light and love and clarity and confidence and courage and for some of these big spaces that we don't know how to fill as a society? And it takes, and I think you've heard this, and I think there's a lot of studies that have said this, you know, it takes one, um, for every positive comment that you say, um, or I should say, let me put it this way, for every negative comment that is said out there, it takes at least 11 to counteract that. So, and I knew this as an educator and as a teacher when I first started out my field, I just think about that a lot. And I think, what if we all started banding together more? And for those of us that are trying to address that one comment and bring in 11, you know, Sarah, if you bring in 11, I bring in 11, and we band with other people, bring in 11, I think we can start being a stronger force. But unfortunately, the way the world works is that negativity 
has a stronger, easier pull and we don't drift into negativity. We, I mean, I should say we don't drift into positivity. We drift into negativity and positivity creates, um, it just mandates some intentionality. So when you asked that question, I thought, well, Sarah, I'm so glad you asked me this because it is the heartbeat of clarity, confidence, courage, and I want to get into that. But ultimately, my hope is that everybody who's listening here, whether my audience, your audience, or anyone else that may get a hold of this, that they hear Sarah and Heather talking and saying, what can we do to move humanity forward and how do we align? And part of me doing that was just doing some of my own homework and listening to you and everything that you're about and listening to your podcast. And I loved it. I'm already a subscriber to it, <laughs> Sarah, because I thought, how did I not know about her? So I think we're really aligned. And it makes me excited for my audience to hear about what your work is and what you're doing. Well, thanks for that. Um, I feel the same way. And I we were laughing before we went live about how this whole and I don't networking really isn't what it is. It's something different. It's kind of I would say it's heart working. It's mm. like you meet someone and you get what they're about. And really, for me, it's almost on a vibe level. Right? Yeah. I think, oh, yes, I'm a coach and a consultant, but I do go on vibe quite a bit. Yeah. And, you know, I get bids from people to do major construction, like at our house and stuff. My husband goes, the bid was high. I said, they had really good vibe. And he goes, <laughs> okay, willing to pay more for that? And I said, yeah, because they're going to follow through. They are going to deliver. Yeah. And they're going to make sure we are taken care of, right? Because yeah. it's like, there's just something there about someone who goes, that's the difference between, wow, this is a really hot, tough job versus, yeah, we got this. We can do this. Yeah. We can actually do it like this, right? Whether right. you're, it's a coach or someone you're working with. And that whole one to right. 11 ratio, um, yeah. man, I feel like I've been upstream on that my whole life mm -hmm. to the fact that people go, well, you're always trying to be optimistic. I'm thinking, okay, but the alternative sucks. Yeah, it really does. It does. And it takes, mm -hmm. honestly, there are days you just go, yeah, that, that's terrible news. And I've had to tell people, don't tell me that stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know how that happened. I know it, mm -hmm. it happened. I don't need the details, the gory details, because honestly, I'm so sensitive that I can feel it happening. Mm -hmm. So I'm all about people who are just like, okay, it's real. I'm not about denying what's going on, but also not buying into the strum and drung of it. Like it's like, oh, it's never going to be better again. Because I, I search out, this is the trick. I search out people who counteract that message mm -hmm. every day. I mm -hmm. try to find a lesson from someone, whether I know them on another podcast or whatever, and go, okay, what can I learn from them today in a half an hour or something mm -hmm. that just shifts my thinking? Yeah. Which brings me back to asking you, talk about the spiral. And, and I'll remind me when you're done yeah. talking about the spiral, I'll share something this gentleman said about a spiral that I thought was super interesting. Right. So when I when I started doing my um, doctoral research, I was focusing on career fulfillment and emotional well-being and how we transition. And what we were seeing is that we were losing a tremendous amount of our population when they were um, transitioning from school to work. Worse, we were seeing a, a spiraling down of depression and anxiety. And I was at this point, I was studying a female population not aware of the fact that it transcended gender later on in my coaching career. And most of my clients now are men even, but this awareness that we, at the end of every peer review, it said more research is needed. And that made me so sad as a coach, as a mother of, a, of two kids who are young adults now and transitioning. And 
my own experience of really struggling and suffering and shifting out of school to work. So when I started doing that research, I thought I'm going to do it from the positive angle. Typically, a lot of research is negative oriented. I wanted to go ask people, what made you spiral up? So I interviewed people between their 30s and 50s and asked them to reflect back during that season. And that's where I got a lot of my research for the book. It's how I coach and talk with people. And I put it in three easy baskets just to help understand, like clarity, confidence, courage. That way you don't have to read my dissertation. (laughs) But it's this awareness that there are coping things we can do to spiral up. And here's the really exciting news. Everybody has an abundance of clarity and confidence and courage within them. We just don't know how to access it. And if we're dealing with those 11 negative comments over and over and over, and we're dealing with that on a daily basis, I should say we're dealing with that one negative comment. We need 11 to counteract it, but we only have one or two coming in at a time. You can see that our spiraling down is not catching up with our ability to spiral up. So part of what I like to do is say it's within you internally. Most people live almost as a victim of, they get handed the, the amount of clarity, confidence, and courage in their life, or they don't. The exciting news is you actually can cultivate it and foster it. And in the work that I do, I've created a system for how you can do that. And then people begin to feel empowered to spiral up. And I like them to work with people and say, it's not Heather's clarity or confidence or courage. It's not Sarah's clarity, confidence, or courage. It's yours. So how do we tap into that? And how do I teach you skills, kind of resiliency skill sets? to begin the process of spiraling up so that one day you're not going to need Heather in your corner. You're not going to need a coach in your corner. Or if you do, it's really for a refresher to say, hey, I'm trying to spiral up. Here's what I need help with, this, this, and this. But my goal is to help give you the skill set to begin to cultivate what lies within you and how to access that and then how to foster it on a daily basis. Well, let's talk about a couple of those. But um, one of the things that I think was helpful which I want to just finish the spiral thing. This gentleman, and I'm blanking on his name. I'm sorry, listeners. I wish I could remember off the top of my head. I was just caught up in what he was sharing. And he's he's the author of the 80-20 principle. So that'll help you right there. But he's he's done so much more than that. But the conversation was talking about where do you go to reflect, right? And most people go, I get my journal out when I'm stuck and I write. He said, I never I never do that when I'm stuck. He goes, because all I will write about is being stuck. And um, he goes, I go and journal and reflect. These are, it's my paraphrase of them. When I'm feeling up and open, because the, then I can nurture the spiral, right? Mm. And I'm going, oh, my God, that's so great. You know, because I was supposed to be working on that yesterday on Sunday. I thought, I'm going to go out and journal on this thing. And I'm thinking, you're not in the headspace to do it. No, just stick it out a little longer. Finally, I went in, nothing happened. I just went, well, it was beautiful outside. Because <laughs> I wasn't, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? So let's talk about. I can get more weird. concrete for that. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you, Sarah. Oh, no, that's exactly okay. what I was hoping you'd say is I can help you with that. I can because, and let me just say this for all our listeners. This is stuff I've tried on myself first. You know, when I, my career started out in teaching and I got my master's in leadership and started training in teachers in the university level and teaching the professor there, but I could feel this level of unfulfillment in my life. So I resigned from that. I could feel that deep down sense of I'm made for more, but I just don't know what it is. So that was in that kind of intense stage. I began to realize, boy, do I need clarity. Boy, do I need clarity. So I knew what I needed. I just didn't know how to access that. What I began to realize is clarity comes from rest 
and asking good questions. So once I stopped the spiraling down of, because I was interviewing, I was like, eh, I don't want that job. I don't want that job. Well, and I ended up hiring a coach. I didn't even know what coaching was. I ended up hiring a coach to help me transition through this. And he began to ask me good questions. Because when you're interviewing and you're not getting it straight and you're feeling confused with life, what's our go-to question is, what's wrong with me? When he began to help me shift the question of what's right with me, it helped me start to go, well, I don't think I'm made for this. I don't think I'm made for this. I don't think I'm made for this. Oh, I think I can check that off and stop interviewing at these type of organizations, right? I get interviewed at these type of organizations going, well, maybe this one I'll feel better about because something's wrong with me. And I think once I gave myself that permission, and I will be honest with my listeners here, is I did need some guidance. I needed to, I'll put three three things out there that helped me begin the spiral up and help me access my clarity. I'd love to start with clarity. So it was resting, pulling back. I just started saying no to a lot of things. I, I um, really started um, asking good questions and recognizing the questions that were harming me and keeping me stuck. And then I hired a coach that helped me engage with that because if I could do it on my own, I would. And I just want to give this as a lifeline to people going, if you can get there faster with the guide, please do it. For me, I was able to get there so much faster. No shame, no humiliation. I want you to say, oh my goodness, I need a good guide. And when I began to realize I get a good guide in this life, whenever I'm transitioning, it helped me step into that conversation and believe in who I was and what I was about. Going back to your question, I'm sorry, I'm kind of digressing, but I want to you say You are talking the way in my brain thinks, so I'm okay, right. Good. <laughs> don't, don't even worry about it. Okay. I want to then give a really practical example because I love what your your friend, the no name that we don't know yet, but maybe you can get in the show notes later. But when he said the idea of spiraling up and journaling about something that is positive, I would say that's about 30% there. The other two thirds has to do with confidence and courage. And I did it just this morning. I call it 3C journaling. And it's actually on my, I think I wrote about it, a blog on my website. And I also did, just recently did a um, interview with someone who does 3C journaling with um, on my podcast. But it's this idea of clarity is write down whatever's hitting you. Wow, I've got a lot of big things hitting me today, or I woke up, I woke up kind of nervous about something, or I woke up really excited about this, this, and this. It's a brief awareness of where you're at in life. No judgment, no call. But I will tell you, we can sit there and digress, talk about the spirally dad. We could digress, and then my mom said this, and then my dog did this, and then my you know what I mean? So I want to encourage my listeners, like, don't spend a lot of time on the clarity, but get it out there. So sometimes it's only two or three sentences. Sometimes it's a full page because I do have a lot going on in my life. I'm empty nest, just launched two kids. and I've got a lot of feels around that. And they're coming in and out of the house. And just when I get my rhythm down, they're coming back in. And I'm like, who am I? Where am I? You know, so there's a lot of those. And I have to pay attention to my clarity. But the two thirds I want to move into is the confidence and the courage piece. Confidence is all about what am I believing? So after I finished giving a little clarity, I just sit back with my journal and my pen and I just kind of go to my space. I'm a person of faith, so I talk to God. But if it, if um, God is not someone you talk to, you get to talk to yourself. You get to talk to love, light, whatever moves you into your higher being. And I get to sit in that space and say, what am I believing about this? So let me just use my emptiness right now. 
all these emotional roller coasters for any of those who are just moving into emptiness. I have an 18 or 20 year old and I had a 20 year old who was back in the house for a week and I have another one who's back in the house for two months. I love them here and then I'm confused why I don't love them here <laughs> and I feel guilty about that. So I just had to write that down. And then what am I believing? This is the confidence piece. And so I write that question. What am I believing? So I kind of go to this space and I'm like, what am I believing about this that I can't adjust and adapt to this? That's my false belief. So I will look at that and I go, is this limiting me and holding me back? Yeah, it is. My true belief, then I go, well, what's my true belief, Heath? And I'll say, my true belief is that life brings so many seasons of change and I'm equipped to engage with each one. And so then it's just like two sentences, a false belief and a true belief. And I sit in that and I lean into that where I go, this is my true belief. Again, being a person of faith, I encourage people to anchor it into something. Being a person of faith, I'll anchor it in a Bible verse. If you're not a person of faith too, bring it into a song or a poem or anything that kind of trans, um, transcends you and inspires you. Then we move into that last third, which is the courage piece. And this is where you take that leap of faith. It's all about action. So based on my clarity today and my confidence, which is what I'm believing, I'm moving into my courage space. What do I want to do about this? I think I want to have a conversation with my husband about boundaries in our home. I think I want to have a conversation about, with my son and take him to dinner and just enjoy hearing about what he's doing in college. I think I want to spend time with my daughter and take her, take her paddle boarding. I mean, these are literally things I did the last couple of days. Um, I think I'm going to cancel this appointment because she surprised me and came home. And she's more important than this appointment. And I know I'm going to disappoint this person and I hate disappointing people, but this is where I'm at in life. My season of life is not real consistent and I'm going to go with it. I'm going to embrace it. And if people are struggling with that, I get to own it and apologize, but I don't get to take full responsibility for the fact that I can't live the life I want with an 18 year old, a 20 year old coming in and out of the house. So these are the things you can see where the clarity, confidence and courage moves me through it. I can do this now and most of my clients, they'll do it in five or 10 minutes. I also want to say those, those seasons when you're going through a hard space or a hard time, it may take you an hour, hour and a half, and that's good too. But now you're equipped with a tool for how to get in that head space and that heart space to go after your clarity, to go after your confidence, and then go after your courage. That was a it. lot, Sarah. <laughs> no, I love it. I do. It was so funny to me is like, I have a older business card, but on the back it just says clarity, clarity. I have three things. Clarity in this case, when I'm working with plants, clarity, strategy and accountability. But without the clarity, we spin. Yes. We just spin. So we yeah. either spin in the false stories, right? Yeah. yeah. The false labels, the false yep. beliefs, you know, it's just all that stuff. And then it's, it is a downward direction, right? Yep. So I yeah. love that. I really like those journaling prompts I, and the fact that it's succinct, unless you have a day where it's not. But it yeah. just takes that reality. It takes mm -hmm. the imaginary mind and says, whoa, slow it down, slow right. the roll. Um, the other yeah. thing that I love that you said is that you you decided at this point, not this today point, but that you needed to step back, slow down a little bit, right? To yes. regain your own clarity, get a coach. And I think folks, and I know I just did a short um, YouTube on this on my um, site last week, week before, but about that whole thing about waiting too long, right? Mm -hmm. I And we are very close to things like, I'm really good at strategy. I know what needs to happen. If you're my client, I can help <laughs> you through it, right? But when it, we are so close to it, right, yeah. we yeah. overthink it. 
Yeah. And we make it harder than it needs to be. And then we mm-hmm. have those dang open loops out there like, I'll get it done. I'll get it done. Mm-hmm. None of that is necessary. Right. It's exactly. I, yeah. It's, oh, I, I should be able to do this or I can't afford a coach. I'm thinking you don't have to have a big. You just need someone to help you go. Come on back. Let's go. Yeah. And um, I never understood that. Like people said, a good yeah. coach has a coach. I'm thinking, OK, it's a, a any whether you're a coach or not, having a coach or yeah. someone who can give you that unbiased, I'm in your corner. I'm not trying to make mm-hmm. you be anything other than who you really are at your core. What a gift to give yourself. It really is, Sarah. And I, for those of you who are debating this, I want to say find a coach that makes you feel good about who you are and the potential you hold. And does not hold accountability through shame, but holds it through um, a positive forward movement and a belief in who you are. And there's really good coaches out there and there's not so good coaches out there. And I've heard stories of both, just like in any profession. And I think I just want to encourage anyone who's listening, don't be afraid to interview your coach and say, yeah, I think this is a person who's going to be a good fit. I felt empowered. Every time I left that conversation. And I do that with new clients. It's like, you Mm -hmm. know what? I know you think this is a good idea, but what if I'm not a good fit for you? Right. Right? And if I'm not, I know people I can recommend you to. I'm not shy about saying, you know, I actually think so-and-so might be a better fit, you know, if you want me to connect you kind of thing. So, yeah, you're so right about that, Heather. Um, The other thing. Well, no, I'm going to go back to what I was going to ask you before. Sure, sure. <laughs> Just got to reorient to <laughs> what I was thinking about here. Um, so we talked about clarity, confidence, and courage. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, your whole mindset in the sense about, you know, you talk about life being a classroom, mm. right? Staying curious rather than focusing purely on success or failure. Um, and what the result of doing that is for us, like in terms of how we feel and how we um, are able to move forward. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, of course, in my um, the start of my profession as a teacher, I just think it was so invaluable of what I learned that carries me over as a coach, but really as a human being in her midlife is that I got an understanding of how humans learn and grow. Then as I began to work more one-on-one with individuals, I got an understanding of the amount of shame that human beings carry. Particularly I work with very high level, high achieving people who want to change the world and are appalled at the fact that they're not every day, you know, and I think their standards are even unrealistic. And that's definitely what I have to say. Hmm, I'm wondering if we're expecting too much of ourselves here, but I think it's that kind space that I'm trying to provide for people that says life is a classroom. And if we have that true belief of, I get to learn and grow, we're focused on learning and growth versus focusing on pass or fail. And I think again, as we go back in the idea of, um, human growth and development. We all have good stories of teachers who helped us inspire us to learn and grow and others that made us feel like we were failing. And I think as we step into this space as an adult and own our own power, I want to encourage everyone to say, life is a classroom. 
And if we take it out of the categories of pass or fail, and let me tell you, all my fingers are pointing back because I'm a super high achiever myself and I do hate to fail. But this is how I talk myself out of my own downward spiral, which is saying, all right, Heb, that didn't feel good. That was rather humiliating. Or the fact they just rejected you or the fact that that talk just bombed and oops, I'm not, not with the right audience. You get to kind of handle some of that rejection, some of that sense of failure, but then go into the space of what do I get to learn from this that's only going to make me better? And I think that allows us to get that downward spiral and that shame space that makes us stuck and makes us realize that life is really is truly a classroom. And if we can embrace that, we take ourselves out of that category of whether we're getting it right or whether we're getting it wrong. You're kind of describing for me that, and I remember kindergarten. It was one of my favorite classes, <laughs> my favorite years. It was, I did not want to go. I liked being at home, you know, but oh. once I got there, it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Graham crackers, milk, nap, <laughs> playground, ABCs, all that stuff. Um, but there was, I don't recall, and even into about second grade, I did not recall any kind of separating us, you know, by gender, mm. by age, by abilities. It was like, hey, we're all doing this together, mm. you know. Um, it caught when I was good with a dodgeball that I was like, oh, it's kind of tall and kind of, she can be mean. So anyway, I'm only joking, but uh, kind of. But there is that whole thing about there's that enthusiasm. Right. There's the enthusiasm for being with each other, seeing what someone else is doing, not hiding your toys that, you know, just those right. metaphors, right? Like, what right. are you guys doing? You know, right. and then so you're curious enough to engage. But then we get a little older and we start thinking, well, if I can't do it well, I probably shouldn't do it at all. Right. You know, or whether yeah. that's someone who said that to you or whatever. And that whole perfectionist, if it's not perfect, I probably should wait until mm -hmm. it is before I share it or whatever. And I've just, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I've watched people who have really great stuff and yeah. they just want to do one more tweak and then nothing happens with it because the last tweak doesn't get tweaked. Well, okay, you're nailing the courage piece. I work with these people just like this. These are perfectionists, right? And they're based off of fear, this false belief of it's never going to be good enough. So I have to deal with their confidence space, which is... It is what it is, and you get to put it out there and trust it. The courage piece really is all about action. And a lot of times I'll work with leaders and I'll say, you got all the clarity you need. You got all the confidence you need, but you are stalling. And I liken it to my book, this metaphor of, you know, you go up in a plane, and you want to parachute out, and you're so excited about it. You've prepared for it. And you've done it. But when the time comes to, to jump, you're just gripping the sides of the plane and you refuse to jump and the plane circles your, your landing space. The pilot's saying, jump, jump, jump. You refuse to jump and the plane lands. So you never get to do the experience. You never get to have that classroom experience. Many of us live that way, really risk adverse. And what I want to say is I'm not asking you to jump without your parachute. The parachute is clarity and confidence. I'm asking you to jump and take that leap with that parachute on your back. And I promise you, it will open up and you will survive this and everything will be okay. More importantly, you're going to feel so empowered that you'll be able to do the next jump and the next 20 jumps. And then you'll be able to do much more in your life because you took, you started with that first one yeah. jump. Well, that's so true. Yeah. Um, so, but you're also big on permission statements. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to know more about permission. Statements. Oh, goodness. Okay. So my book, 
I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, but it's got 18 chapters in it. And it starts with clarity because you're to your point earlier, it is the most important piece, but you got to start with clarity. But the very first chapter in my book is restorative rest, pulling back. But the end of that chapter, I have you write a permission slip to yourself that says, I Heather, give myself permission to rest. And I make you sign it on that first chapter because I'm like, I don't care how much I talk about in this book. If you don't give yourself the permission to rest and you're just roaring through this book to have finished it and read it, you're not going to get what you need from it. It's that very first chapter that if you give yourself the permission to rest and just kind of create a cadence for yourself over the next 18, 17 chapters here, you're going to have a transformed life. But it's also why I created an e-course around it because I thought, okay, in a world that loves just plowing through things, I'm trying to model a pacing to say, just pull back. You know what? It's okay if you sit in one chapter a week, maybe one chapter a month. We're all going to be okay. You chew on it as long as you need, but don't keep picking up other things. Don't keep getting distracted by other things. Commit to one thing to help you start beginning that growth process and create a resiliency skill set to begin the spiraling up. So slight tangent, um, but about rest, about rest. So I have one of the other side things I do, and I don't pretend I'm a doctor or anything, but I am like a big reader and researcher. So you mm-hmm. tell me you've got a challenge in your life, whether I'm ever going to talk to you about it or not, I'm going, yeah, I want to find out what's going on around that, right? So late, I listen to a lot of health podcasts and doctors oh, yeah. and that, but lately everything, not everything, that's, you know, that's not a true statement, but especially around the autoimmune diseases oh, and yeah. things that can be monitored. I mean, we each have things we can do to help mitigate or prevent, right? Whether right. we choose to because they're not so easy in some cases or right. we just want what we want. But rest and the damage that does physically to us yeah. is the lack of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this one doctor, he said, if you could only do one thing, you got to start getting good rest. I don't mean just be in bed longer, but good rest and that and then he went on to talk about um like less do less Mm -hmm. slow down right Mm -hmm. we're not made to be in this constant hyper hyper thing you know Mm -hmm. and then all the endocrine system which i i I love that stuff i don't play the podcast but i love it i'm a i would do do a little bit of everything (laughs) i would i told my husband i said man it'd be so great to be he goes when are you going to fit that in i said i'm not going to go to school for that but i would love to you don't need but to just keep researching. Yeah. <laughs> well, your, well, it makes me a better patient. Yeah. You know, when I see my doctor, he says, well, I don't know if we need that. I said, but I really think, what about this? And he looks yeah. at me and goes, I'll order it. <laughs> We're going to have a similar conversation in the week or two coming up because um, I've done more research. But at any rate, so when we think about rest, I love that you have that in that first part, right? Because if we're yeah. not slowing down and we don't take the time, how do we ever set ourselves up for the one thing? And you also talk about cutting back on how much we're doing, right? You said focus on one thing, right? Well, in my book, I talk about it. I don't want to keep, I don't mean to keep referencing my book. I just want to say well, in my work. Because okay. it helps me stay focused. All right, good. Okay, good. <laughs> in my book, then. The, and I took all my years of coaching and tried to put it in, a ch- in you know, six different chapters for clarity, six for confidence, six for courage and how I coach my clients. But 
the reason I started with chapter one with restorative rest, and I, I use this term, I kind of coined this term, restorative rest, and I use the rest and restorative is all capped. So it's, it looks like restorative rest. And I'm trying to emphasize restorative rest is mind, body, heart, spirit. And I talk about this in my book, too, of just I was at a keynote speech and there was about 250 in the room. And literally this woman raised her hand and said, what do you mean by rest? And I've never been interrupted in a keynote. I was like shocked at that. I was like, well, now I'm so curious. <laughs> I can interrupt myself. Good say, question. Yeah, please. Why are you raising your hand? I'd love to know. But it was so significant for me. And that's when it hit me. And this was early on in my career as a coach. I just I glossed over it of just the importance of rest. But she literally wanted to know and she was hungry for it. And that's when I realized I had to define it. And then I've worked internationally, particularly with Latino cultures and down in Central America and also in um, Belize. But I realized how fast we run in North America. And I was like, of course, I'm going to have to explain restorative rest. We're also one of the, the, uh, the biggest countries right now that is struggling with depression and anxiety and spiraling down. And we know this. And the research keeps telling us. What I want is more voices out there. And this is where I, I'm hoping that we can start uniting more as a society of, well, how do we stop the spiraling down? More importantly, how do we start a spiraling up? It starts with restorative rest. And so I've had to define that. And I use the allegory. And it's in, the, in my book as well. But I also created a picture book off of it. It's with this little girl who gets given a bracelet. And she's given this bracelet. And she loves this bracelet. It makes her feel cherished and loved. But over the years, as she grows older, she gets more and more bracelets. What happens, these bracelets run all the way up to her arms, up to her shoulders, and she's like walking around with all these bracelets that are weighing her down. What does it do? It prevents her from doing two things. One, jumping on her tire swing that she loves to do and running around in nature. Second thing it prevents her from doing is sliding into the stars and hearing the voice on the wind that helps remind her who she is. And it's a simple allegory, but I can't tell you how many people come to my conversations that will say, okay, Heather, I need help with my bracelets today. Yeah. I need help with my tire swing. I can't find my tire swing. I will get pictures sent to me from all over the world with, here's my tire swing. Here's my tire swing. I'm telling you, people are so creative. The tire swings that I get to see are crazy and they're so cool. And I love humans where I go, that would not be my tire swing, but I'm super glad it's yours. Or I so never thought about that one. what a tire one. swing is. Okay. This, I just got this one. Um, I work with uh, some pilots and he flies a lot for um, work, but he was losing the love of flying. I said, well, what do you want to, what do you love doing most? Like what feels like a tire swing that makes you feel free and alive? He goes, honestly, it's flying. I go, but it, you sound like you're kind of burned out with work. He's like, yeah, but I just love flying. And I, I, he has his own plane. He goes, I think I want to go flying and do camping trips with my, my um, airplane. I go, well, that's an amazing idea. So throughout his trip, he would send me pictures of where he was, where it wasn't been work related. So his love for flying, even though he loved flying, he was getting burned out with having to do it for work. And he wanted to own it again for his own personal um, enjoyment. That's just one example. Another one is like this woman. I remember she was going through a significant transition of wanting to leave her work as a special ed teacher. And she's like, I love these kids. I'm feeling guilty that I don't want to be doing this anymore. I'm overwhelmed. It's hitting me. You know. I said, nothing wrong with that. Set the shame aside. Let's talk about what you really want to do. She couldn't figure out what she wanted to do. I said, well, let's take a, a beat. Let's take a rest. What do you want to do to take a restorative rest? She said, I'm going to go uh, learn how to knit with these nuns on an al alpaca farm. <laughs> I said, That's awesome. Send me pictures. So the next couple of days, I got these pictures of her. And sure enough, she came back with this clarity of saying, I know what I want to do. 
she resigned from her job, finished out the teaching year, resigned from her job, went and started, went back to school, became an environmental scientist and started a gardens, urban gardens in her area. And I thought, wow, her tire swing is what gave her that clarity. Her tire swing was a restorative rest. And I think the more I work with people, I really try and define it. Restorative rest is not only mind, body, heart, and spirit, but there's two types that we need. We need an active rest, which is like a tire swing. We need a, a contemplative rest, which is like journaling time, and that's time under the stars. So how I define that in my book is I tell people, I go, humans are complex. This is why we're spiraling down, because we aren't giving ourselves the permission to rest restoratively. And it's it takes some intentionality, and it takes a little bit of work, but it's so worth it once we do. It just feels counterintuitive. We don't know what we're doing. Well, let's run faster. Let's do more. Let's make a bigger list. Let's go back to school. Let's go do all these different things. And I'm like, well, maybe, but you jumped right to the courage, which I don't doubt that you have. What I don't see is your clarity and your confidence in, in play. You're not asking yourself good questions in the clarity space of, am I tired? Once I ask people that, they're like, I'm exhausted. And I go, but it's probably not a good time to create more action steps. <laughs> Let's pull back. But it's getting more. And I had another woman say to me, am I allowed? And we both got laughing because she knew she knew she was allowed, but you could tell that. But that's such a serious question. Yes. No one we had ever told her that. Yeah. There's the intellect. We know we're allowed, right? Because there's right. enough people like us out there saying it's okay to take a step, step back, mm -hmm. take a beat. Life is, mm -hmm. as you know, it is not going to stop. But there's the other part that says, what happens if I do? Yeah. Right. Will I, whoever I am or have been, will I no longer be useful? Will yeah. I no, no longer be significant? And what if when I take a step back, I can't step up again, right? Right. I mean, those are, I know they were for me at one time and for other yeah. people I've coached and worked with. Those are like on what if this happens? And I'm thinking, well, here's the deal. Mm -hmm. You can either allow yourself space to rest and see what happens, or you can wait until you haven't rested and then you're going to get forced to rest. Something, right. something will happen because you can't, produce or show up at that right. all velocity without some pushback of some sort, whether mm -hmm. it's uh, welcomed or forced. Right. So true. And I, again, to get more practical for our listeners, I call it the Thrive Plan. And it's also in my book, but it gives you really a practical framework for how to create a restorative rest cadence. And it's something daily which should be around an hour, something weekly, which would be a couple hours, something monthly, which should be about a half a day, and then something annual, which is a couple overnighters. So you're doing, and I'm just getting ready to go on my me retreat. I call it me retreat, but I've done a podcast on that too, a me retreat this weekend, because I can feel like, okay, I've done the daily, the weekly, the monthly, but I'm feeling that a little bit of that fatigue coming on. I go, you, you need that annual. And that's the one that's a little harder for me to actually clear my schedule and leave for a couple of days just for me. It goes back to that. Am I allowed? Can I do this? Will the world fall apart? And I'm like, the false belief is the world will fall apart, right? The true belief is everyone's going to be fine without you. <laughs> no. And it's funny because when you get sick, like, or something sick, yeah. your first thought is not like, especially when you're like out, you are not, you can barely get up to drink water, right? You're right. not going, oh, my God, the world's going to fall apart. You're thinking, oh, my God, I might die. Right? Yeah. This is so uncomfortable. Right? So I'm thinking if you can let yeah. go to heal from the flu or something, 
you can let go to give yourself some time to so rest. true because your spirit's dying yes mm-hmm. yeah oh we are so there for each other let's talk about platforms and how you think um I know before we pushed record, I was telling you that it was so synchron- synchronous for me or so much synchronicity that you brought this up pre-interview because I oh. just finished a conversation with one of my colleagues plus a gal I met last week that was same. It's like, how do we support these voices who are all mm-hmm. trying to support the upward lift um, to counteract that whole insidious, like, if you don't do this now, you will fall apart kind of that push fear mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so what are your thoughts about that it makes me think of a concrete example recently i was asked to keynote at a nonprofit organization and this nonprofit it had in the room about 60 different nonprofits representing them and it was all having to do with child abuse foster care at-risk children and as an educator and as a parent and even as an educator working with at risk, this has just really been a heartbeat of mine. And so this nonprofit, their role really was to bring all of these nonprofits together to see what they were doing. And they asked me to be the keynote. And I thought, I don't want to be the hero on stage. I want this would be wildly successful for me if I got off that stage and every person in that room felt like the hero because they really are these unsung heroes that are facing oh. these to your point earlier, these hard stories that wear on our spirits, right? Like I can only take so many too, where I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm debating whether I can go see that freedom, uh, human trafficking movie. I'm like, do I have what it takes to, to watch that? I want to, but it's that awareness of we're all moving in this together. And so when I got up to speak, I just asked everyone for a few minutes. I said, write down everything you're inviting in, everything that you're inviting in. And they were all sitting at tables. So they all started scribbling down. And I gave them only two minutes. And I said, okay, yell it out. They started yelling out um, freedom, uh, loyalty, wisdom, comfort, care, health, healing. I mean, it just popcorned all over the room. I even get chills now just talking about it because I wanted them to see you're not alone in this. And I wanted them to feel that alliance. And ironically, this is the name of the organization, the alliance. I'm a board member of it. So... I wanted them to feel that alliance. And then I said, okay, now I'm going to give you another two minutes to write down everything that you're rejecting. So they wrote that down, scribbled down, and then they all started yelling it out. Isolation, fear, abuse, control, um, confusion. And again, I was like, these are our unsung heroes in our society that are standing on the front lines. And all I got to do then was just help them see you guys are all standing together. My job is just to simply be a facilitator to help you all hold hands in this and unite in this and align in this. And hopefully the energy will grow and the power between you all. And then everybody exchange two or three numbers, two or three cards. Who are you going to call? Not when you need a resource, but when you need someone to stand with you in your true belief, because that day you got hit with maybe five or six really hard stories that makes you want to quit your job or go eat like a whole pan of chocolate brownies (laughs) it's just too much right and i think that's where i wanted them to see you're not alone in this keep going but the energy you felt right here with these 60 plus nonprofits represented you get to feel the surge of this energy then i got to do a small group with them later on a couple months later and again i got to see their 
camaraderie and their alliance that had kind of rippled out just since the time I had given the keynote was about two months past. And I could feel just their support of one another. I even said, well, here's my number if you want to call me. Nobody called me, which is awesome. They don't need me. They had each other and I did my job. So I'll probably go in for the next keynote another time, but I'm just going, this is so fun to empower people to see one another and not to, to feel like they need me, but to feel like they they have one another, that they can support one another and empower one another. That's another great example of permission. You know, it's like, it's okay to just reach out and say, hey, yeah, just want to, or, hey, I read this in the paper, or I saw this on social media, just yeah. kind of check, see how you're doing, you know, right. like, the work can be tough, but the work, honestly, without our nonprofits, and I believe this as a former executive director and, and someone who's devoted to nonprofits, that um, without nonprofits, the gap between what people need and what they get would be such a big chasm. Exactly. And we would be paying the price for it. Yeah. Um, all of us. Yeah. They're holding us. back the darkness, aren't they? They are. And, <laughs> and um, anyway. Enough said about that. Um, on to the movie. I will tell you, my husband and I talked about seeing that. Now, he um, is retired law enforcement, but he did a lot of child abuse investigation. Mm. So I'm all hip. My sister said it was a great movie, State of the End. Um, and I worked in child advocacy, child abuse prevention, oh. and, and missing and exploited kids. So he says, I'm really not up for that movie today. I says, ever? And he goes, not. And I realize it's like, I don't know. I lived it, right? He's yeah. seen too much. And I said, Maybe if they stream it. You know? <laughs> so we went to something totally uplifting and saw Indiana Jones, which was total fluff. Total yes. Fluff, yes. Right? That was the headspace. But I still want to see that movie. I like that actor. I do too. Yeah. Cavasol. I can't pronounce his name correctly. Anyway, another Caviezel. rabbit. Caviezel. Thank you. Yes. So, so much in common. I would like to take this conversation offline with you and see how we can support one another because I Love feel that. like it's no accident that you are on this show. I know you will benefit our listeners tremendously. And I have one more question for you. Okay. I can lie, I have two. But um, one question is we've been asking our podcast guests to listen to one or two episodes. Find mm. some other podcast guests that shared something that they yes. that resonated with them and then to come back and tell us who was the guest and what did you take yeah. away from it. What do you have for us? Oh, I was so inspired. This morning I was listening to Vicki Winkler, and it was podcast, I think, number 310 for the listeners. Sounds right. Okay. Um, I, You know, in those conversations, and honestly, Sarah, you were so engrossing as well to facilitate it, and you could feel like I wanted to say, well, ask her this. And right when I was thinking that, you asked her. So I was like, awesome. But I heard Vicki say <laughs> repeatedly, I probably at least three or four times, this idea of a leap of faith. And I never thought about, and I know it was something about marketing, but the conversation was really about mindset. And then what I really enjoyed was, I think you opened it up with this book, which now I want to go read, but this idea of not being a seller, but being a giver and sitting in the giver seat versus the seller seat and asking people, how can I serve you? How can I help you? What's the, what is it that you need here so that I can give my services to you and really serve you well? I loved all of that values-driven thinking that Vicky was talking about, and it made me want to hire her. That's my marketer. I was like, oh, my goodness, amazing conversation. And then I heard you chime in, too, about 
just this values-driven thinking that really guides us to make the decisions we need to make and ask better questions. And I think one of the questions you said was something like, well, what will it cost me if I don't say yes to this or if I don't say no to this? And that gets us out of that stuck place that says, I got to do this to people, please, or I got to stay in motion, or I got to be like a hamster on a wheel. I got to go, 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 go. You're kind of stopping it. And it kind of goes along this idea of restorative rest. You're stopping it and saying, I'm going to ask a better question. Yeah. I'm going to stop this and say, is this the right fit for me? Is this the right timing for me? Am I a good fit for this client or this company? Is this, is this something I need to step into or step away from? I heard those questions just permeated throughout. And then I heard all the true beliefs and false beliefs. And I heard you and Vicky standing for so many true beliefs that I was writing them down. So I can't recommend that podcast enough. And I'm already looking forward to listening to more. Oh, thanks. Well, feel free to send me what you wrote down because sometimes oh, when I'm talking, I'm just talking from the heart and I'm thinking, and someone said, could you repeat that? I'm going, not a chance. <laughs> I'd have to listen to the transcript or, or read the transcript rather. So my last question for sure. you. For this conversation, it's not forever, so don't even think it, um, is what is the best place for people to get your book, to know more about you, your podcast, all of that? I try and put everything on my website and you can go from there. So it's at heatherpenny.com. You can access podcasts. You can access my weekly blogs. You can access a way to sign up for the weekly blogs. You can access where to find my book. I give a ton away for free as well. So all of that, I would say, just start with my website. And and there's also a space that if you want to reach out to me personally for keynotes, for coaching, for any of that stuff, you can fill out a little something and send it over to me and I'll get back to you. A little something, something coming to you. Yes. All right. So I love that. Your control, your dashboard of control is your website. Yep. Yep. I love it. It makes life so much more simple. I'm glad. Is it a marketing person? Or, I don't know we were interviewing a marketing person, Vicky, earlier, but you were saying your value of marketing. So I'm, I'm thinking, oh, you've probably taken notes of that as an ex-executive um, director of a nonprofit of just the value of good marketing. Well, you know, when I was leading a nonprofit, it was like that was I started doing that work in the early 90s. And people were like, you can't spend money on that. But I'm thinking, mm-hmm. but now I know. I mean, I know from going through it, but also from just research and stuff, you don't expect a business and they're a business. They're just a different registered business. They are businesses. You don't expect them to run with no margin and no infrastructure. And marketing is, I, in my opinion, communications. And if you can't communicate, you can't reach the people you're supposed to be reaching. Yep. Rah, rah, rah. That's my little soapbox on marketing. Um, I would have loved to go back in time and have different conversations with my board where I had to explain why we needed certain things. And yes, we needed to budget for them. Yes. So, um, at any rate, I want to thank you, Heather. This has been super fun. And like I said, let's continue the conversation offline about how we can support one another's platforms and help to lift more people up into the work that they want to do are meant to do and the people they're truly meant to be. I'd love that. Thank you for just having me today and just cheering you on. All you listeners believe in you and believe in your potential. I believe you have a life that you are uniquely made for. 
been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.